So how's weekend of worship going so far? Doing all right? Well, we're going to do some more singing from our hearts and with our voices in a little bit, uh, but this is uh, one of those special times throughout the year where we take a little bit more time to uh, sing and, and worship that way. And uh, what's really fun for me as a pastor increasingly is that I get to kind of sense, there's a heart connection between a pastor and his congregation, his flock, and I, I just sense that, that during this worship time, God is moving amongst us, he's moving within you and, and in hearts, and he's lifting up souls, and he's even bringing healing uh, this morning, and it just uh, touches me so deeply, and, and it's going to continue And we'll sing a little bit more here in a bit. But first, uh, worship isn't just about singing. It's also about hearing from God's word. So I want to share from God's word. It's also about giving. Worship's about giving. You didn't think we forgot the offering, did you? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'd invite the ushers to come forward. But seriously, when we we give faithfully, sacrificially, it's an act of worship. Uh, We, as Jesus followers, those of us who have gone from come and see, Jesus says come and see, to come follow me, and we're following Jesus, we are committed to growing toward and living out this thing called the tithe, the tithe. And it's a biblical guideline of giving 10% of what God has given us back to him. And, and why, do, why does he, he give us that guideline in the Bible? It's because, two reasons. One is, it provides for all the ministries that take place through his church. This church and, and whichever church you might be a part of. But this church, uh, it, it funds the ministries. It, it, it makes all the ministries possible that, that touch thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. And so as we grow in our giving, we'll, we'll all you know, get to see that increase, that multiplication of more and more lives being touched. But, but that's not even the main reason that God calls us to this biblical guideline of, of tithing. Not just to provide, but to protect. Protect who? Protect you. Uh, the giving of the tithe is to protect you. Protect you from greed. Protect you from finding security and identity and money. To protect you from making money into an idol. And it's, it's, it's to protect you. And, and God loves you that much to give you loving guidelines like this. And, and not making idols, the second commandment. We're in this series called The Field Guide to Real Life, A Study of the Ten Commandments. And uh, we've looked at the first three commandments. We're going to look at the fourth commandment this morning for a few moments. Again, a little bit shorter message uh, because of our extended worship time. The, the Ten Commandments are not just a, a bunch of dusty old rules, right? That's not the right way to think about them. We, we may have been led to believe that they are. And, and the Ten Commandments are not a list of rules that take the fun out of life. Right? The Ten Commandments actually show us, God shows us through the Ten Commandments, how to live life, how to actually live life. See, it's false thinking to think that freedom is, is not having any boundaries or any guidelines in life. That's not freedom. That's chaos. It leads to destruction. Right? I heard this quote recently from a pastor named Tim Keller. He said that freedom isn't the absence of restrictions. It's, it's about finding the right restrictions right? to guide your life. And that's what the Ten Commandments do. The, the, they show us how to live free. Does anyone want to live free? That's what the Ten Commandments show us. The the first time the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai through Moses to the Israelites, they were two months removed from slavery. As a people, they had been enslaved for 400 years and and they're set free. And you can imagine after 400 years, generation upon generation, how good it felt to be free. Like, yes, we're free. And then two months later going, how do we live free? (laughs) Right? How do we live free? 
It's like the kids are getting out of school on summer vacation. They're like, yes, we're free. And as parents, you say, we better give them some guidelines or they're not going to be free for much longer, right? Because they're going to end up in their rooms or in prison or, you know, anyway, not really, maybe. Uh, but, but that's it. The Ten Commandments give us, we're free, yes. As Christians, we're set free in Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. You can be set free in Jesus Christ. And, and then God gives us his word. And specifically in this series, we're talking about the Ten Commandments to show us how to actually live like we're free. And if we follow the Ten Commandments, these guidelines in our lives, God's word, uh, we will live like we're free. They don't set us free. Jesus sets us free, but the guidelines set us free. Uh, Show us how to live free, not set us free. They show us how to live free. If we don't follow them, then we will increasingly be pulled back into slavery in our lives. And God doesn't want that for us. Certainly true of the fourth commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We were just singing about that, weren't we? Keep it holy. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, there are two places in scripture where we can find the 10 commandments. One's in Exodus 20 and one is in Deuteronomy 5. In Exodus 20, it's the account of the Israelites first receiving the 10 commandments. Deuteronomy, this, this account is of Moses giving a sermon 40 years after they received the 10 commandments, right before they are about to enter the promised land. And we're gonna read the fourth commandment here. By the way, it is the longest, it's given the longest description and explanation of all the commandments. And, and, and maybe that's because the fourth commandment is the most unnatural, the most challenging to live. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Maybe in some ways, given this explanation, one of the most critical. So verse 12, it says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. I wanna unpack a couple of Hebrew words there. Let's stop there for a moment. The word Sabbath or sabbat, or sabbat in Hebrew means to stop, to cease. To cease what? To cease working. To stop working. When, when we observe the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day, we, we stop working. We stop to, to rest. Uh, and, and there's even this sense in that word of Sabbath, of taking delight in our lives, of taking delight in creation, of stopping, you know this phrase, stopping to smell the roses, literally, figuratively stopping and enjoying the beauty and the blessings that God has placed. Some friends invited us out to Prior Lake the other day and we were out swimming, me and the boys swimming in, I don't know where Jen was, she was in the boat, but we were swimming and uh, I was like, this is Sabbath. Enjoying God's creation. (laughs) Enjoying the beauty of God's creation. The word that, that is translated holy there is kodesh or kadosh and it means to to set apart, to set aside. So there is a time, this Sabbath time to rest, to stop working, to enjoy the beauty and the blessings of life. And, and there's a time to set aside, a time set aside to do that, a time that we are to set aside, which, which is contrary to this popular idea that, that we can just worship God anytime, anywhere, out in nature and, and wherever we are on the sports field or in, at, at, at you know, home and in the, in the office. And by the way, that's all true. We can worship God that way, but it's not, it's not an either or, right? It's a both and. There is also a time, a designated time, a specific time that is set aside to rest and to remember that God is who he is. Verse 13, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. So you have six days to get your work done, right? And pastorally, I just know that there's some of you who aren't getting your work done in six days. You're taking seven or eight days or nine days a week. You know, you're, you're cramming a lot into there. 
And, and if that is you, I just want to say pastorally, you're working too much. For who? For you. God didn't create you. He didn't design you he did, to, to work that much. He designed you to live in this rhythm of Sabbath where you work and then you rest and you take delight in your life. You stop to smell the roses. Verse 14, but the, the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. Everyone say day of rest. Day of rest. Dedicated to the Lord your God. Seventh day. This harkens, for those of us who have been the, around the Bible a, a, a bit, you, you know this harkens back to what? Genesis, the very beginning. Where, where God creates the world, the universe really, in, seven, in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rests. He rests on the seventh day. He models it for us. I read something in preparation for this message that suggested, and we often think when we, when we read the creation account that, that human beings are like the crown of creation, right? He, he creates everything else, God creates everything else, and then it's not complete because human beings haven't been created yet. Human beings are created, and that's the crown of creation, the kind of the cherry on top, and we all go, yeah, we like that, right? <laughs> human beings, us. But this thing I read suggested, no, actually creation wasn't complete yet because there was still another thing to be added to the beauty of God's creation. It was rest, this day of rest. And that maybe then rest created on the seventh day is like the crown of creation. It's the cherry on top that we are to enjoy this rest, this Sabbath rest. Verse 14 goes on. On that day, no one in your household... They do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. First of all, we don't want to miss this. This is a radically inclusive statement for a group of people, a society 3,500 years ago to say that slaves, that they deserve, that servants deserve a rest, a time of rest, that, that even the foreigners, give the foreigners a break, give them a break. This is radical for that time period. And, and God is already setting up this idea of you know, there's a leveling of humanity, right? That we all can be invited into this rest we know in Jesus Christ. And the other thing I think God is doing here is he's telling the Israelites, don't, don't perpetuate that same cycle. Remember when you were slaves, Israelites, because you were? And, and slaves, they don't get to choose when to rest. They just work whenever they're told. And he's saying, don't, don't perpetuate that with, with your servants and the people under you. Just let them rest too. But there is to be a day where we do not work. Now, how do we apply this to our lives? Do we apply it literally? There are groups of people, uh, Orthodox Jews, for instance, who apply it very literally. Those of us who have traveled to Israel, we, we've seen some of these Sabbath, uh, these Sabbath laws playing out. Like, for instance, there is a, a Sabbath elevator in some hotels in, in, in Jerusalem and Israel, and even some parts of the country where there are lots of Jews who live there. And Sabbath elevator, um, it surprised me at first, but they, they believe they can't even push a button on the Sabbath, right? So the elevator just goes up automatically every level, so they don't have to push any buttons. It's pretty literal, right? How, how literally do we take this? Well, that, that question or any question, we always do well to look at what did Jesus do? You know, as followers of Jesus, what did Jesus do? And, and as we read about Jesus and how he handled the Sabbath, he wasn't quite as literal or rigid about the Sabbath as some of the religious teachers in his day were. He healed on the Sabbath. That was a no-no in his day. He, he plucked some grain and, and fed his, his disciples on the Sabbath. That would have been considered work a no-no. So he wasn't as rigid or as legalistic about it, but make no mistake about it, Jesus didn't reject the Sabbath. He still followed the Sabbath. He honored the Sabbath. 
He, he regularly worshiped in the synagogue and in the temple at times, and he regularly removed himself from work to rest, to be with God, to remember that God is who he says he is. And so that, that's how Jesus handled it, and therefore we are too as well. To not be super rigid and literal and, you know, the Sabbath elevator thing. I'm not saying that for, for you know, that we, we don't need to think through some of these aspects of our lives, but but we can kind of have a little more freedom. And yet, we are, if we want to live a, a, real, a real life, a life that is full, a life that is free, we, we, we can't reject the Sabbath. We can't reject, why? Here's why. Verse 15, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. That is why. Why? Because you were once slaves And he's saying, rest on the Sabbath because you are no longer slaves, people of Israel. You're no longer slaves. You you don't just work when you're told to work and you never have a chance to stop and rest. You can rest. I've set you free. You can rest in my presence. You can enjoy the beauty of creation. Sabbath, you are free people. And we too, as people have been set free by Jesus Christ, we are not slaves Sabbath is a way of of remembering we are not slaves to work. We are not slaves to our calendars. We are not slaves to activities. We are not slaves to the ways of this world. We can rest as free people. But but, but it ain't easy, is it? It ain't easy. The world we live in today, for lots of reasons, but we live in a world that is constantly pulling at us and, and telling us not to rest and, and not to remember that, that God is who he is and, and that God is real and present in our lives. We live in a world that is sending us this message over and over again. There is no God and there is no rest. There is no God and there is no rest. We hear it in all kinds of ways. And those two, those two messages are, are very closely connected, very closely connected. And you might be thinking, in fact, you almost can't have one without the other. Rest, you know, and God, knowing that God is real. And you might be thinking, well, I've got half of it right. I'm, I'm struggling with the rest thing, but, but I believe God is real. And if that's you, I would, I would lovingly challenge you to, to think again. Because, see, it is possible to believe in God, but, but behave like he's not real. To, to, to live like you believe God is real, but, but to behave like he's not real in your life. The term that I picked up along the way is functional atheism. That we function, we say we believe that God is real, but we function like he's not. We, we put our trust in other things. We, we don't really give him control of our lives and surrender. It is possible to function that way. You know, the enemy is real. Do you know this? The, the devil, he's real, and he's trying to take God's people out. He's trying to keep people from the real life that God wants them to have. And if he can't take people out blatantly, he will get them through busyness. You know this? Uh, This thought dropped for me that if he can't make us fall, he will make us fatigued. He'll make us fatigued. I hear that? Because if we're fatigued, then then we forget. We forget that that God is real and that he is present in our lives and he is active and and that he is all-powerful and that he can handle everything that I'm dealing with in my life when we get fatigued. It's why the Sabbath is so important. It's why this, this 18th century philosopher, Voltaire, he said this, if you want to kill Christianity, you must abolish Sunday. 
If you wanna kill Christianity, you must abolish Sunday. You must get people to believe that Sunday's not important anymore, the weekends, this designated set-aside time to, to rest and to worship and to be in God's presence, to stop working. We see this in our world today, don't we? Where Sunday is increasingly and let's not get too literal with this, but we can't totally dismiss it either that there are, there are these blue laws, right? right, that are coming back. There's been a lot of talk in the news about liquor stores being open on Sundays now. Didn't get an amen to that. Okay, but, the, but the, 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 it's just the lines are getting blurrier and blurrier between set-aside sacred time, right? Activities on, on Sunday. And, and it's easy to point to the world and say, see, it, the world's taking Sunday away, but I would encourage us to do, as your pastor, I would encourage you to do what Jesus tells us to do, and that is look at our lives first. Are we remembering the Sabbath? Are we honoring the Sabbath? Are we setting aside time to rest and to worship, making it a priority in our lives? Are we doing that? Because see, I want this church, people of this church, to resist those currents that say there is no rest and there is no God. <laughs> Sabbath is a lot of things, but it, but it is a resistance movement. It is, Sabbath is a resistance movement. It, it's, it's saying, you know what? I'm not going to just be on that treadmill in, incessantly and without, without any rest. I'm not going, to, I'm not going to, to hear the world's messages that there is no God, that it ends with me and there is no God. I am, I'm going to resist that. Sabbath is a resistance movement movement where we say, no, there is rest. There is, there is a God who's with me, who's for me. Rest. I want to close by telling you this story. In my own life this past week, many of you know that I regularly take a dog day, day alone with God. Dog, right? Tip, dog. And, and, and there was a time when I was taking dog days monthly and the Lord said, no, in this position, you really, you really need to to do that weekly with, with all the, that's in this role. You need to have that weekly dog day. So I've been doing that. And this past week was a very busy week, lots going on. And I was ready for my dog day, ready for that dog day. And uh, I take dog days most of the time at this cabin in Wisconsin outside of Red Wing. Uh, a couple from Hosanna generously lets us use it. And, and so I was heading out to the car, kind of stumbling out, drinking my coffee, just ready, ready to, to go on this dog day. And, and then I turned the key and the car wouldn't start. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I almost cried. And, and, and then my next thought was, how can I blame this on Jen? Because <laughs> I was grumpy. I say I was ready for my dog day. She, I did make her come out and help me charge it. But anyway, we got a charge and I'm getting in the car. My soul is tired. I turn on the worship music and, and, and I'm starting to worship and I cross over into Wisconsin and I'm worshiping, like put one hand on the wheel, worshiping and from the bottom of my heart. I, those people in Wisconsin probably thought I was a crazy man, but with every verse and with every mile, it was like, as I worship God, it was like my soul was coming back to life. This life, this, this rest that, that we can have in Jesus Christ was, was kind of welling up inside of me again. As, by the time I got to the cabin, I was where I needed to be. <laughs> Sabbath, rest. We worship God. There's life in it. And so what we're gonna do for the rest of this service is get back in the car. <laughs> Are you with me? We're gonna get back in the car. And, and we're gonna recharge our batteries. And we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be a part of this resistance movement where we say, yes, there is rest. Yes, there is a God. I am not a slave. I am no longer a slave. I am a free person in Jesus Christ. And we're gonna worship from our hearts as we get back into the car. Are you up for that?
All right. Let me pray and then we'll do it. God, thank you uh, that you sent Jesus to set us free, that in Jesus Christ, the cross, the resurrection, we have been set free. You've parted the waters and we can live in freedom, but Lord, you, you want to show us how to live free. And part of it is this idea of Sabbath and worship, rest, remembering, resisting. And so God, in this time, I pray that you work in each and every heart to do what, what only you can do to renew our souls, to recharge our batteries, to draw us closer to you and the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.